Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Oscar Watch Podcast, the podcast where we look back at past Best Picture winners for your reconsideration. I am your host, Stephen Buja, and joining me once again, hot off of her debut performance last week, it's Mrs. Amy Thomason. Amy, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. Very excited to be back, ready to share my opinions on a very interesting film, How Green Was My Valley. Oh, we are looking forward to hearing those opinions, but I, I, I do have to know because I do like like myself and want and want to know if this this podcast is even getting out to anybody. Did anyone you know listen to last week's episode and did they share your thoughts, any of their thoughts or shall we say criticisms about it? Um, well, my parents were both very proud of me, so that was very sweet. <laughs> My Aww. best friend said he thinks I have a hidden talent. Oh, okay. And more than one person said that they now want to see the movie Marty, so that was kind of neat. All right. I, and but you know, they are all thrilled. They absolutely loved it. They loved the podcast and are now going to subscribe to it. Yay. Yeah, I'm just going to – I feel I feel good about this. I'm just patting myself on the back. I knew I made the right call bringing you on here. <laughs> Yes, so that's excellent. Uh, that's excellent to hear. Thank you, everybody, for listening. If you're just joining us and you're new to the podcast, welcome. Glad to have you on board, and uh, hope you uh, hope you enjoy all of this episode and all of the episodes previous because we have so many. This week's episode is about the 1941 Best Picture winner, How Green Was My Valley, directed by John Ford, starring a whole bunch of people. What do you have any experience with this movie before this podcast? I have seen it before. I watched it. It was another one of those Turner classic movies, 30 Days of Oscar. That's really how I get a lot of the classics. Okay. That's fair. Um I knew it was a big one. I knew it was the big one that beat Citizen Kane. Sort yeah. of the way Ordinary People is the movie that beat Raging Bull. Right. And Dances with Wolves is the one that beat Goodfellas. Et cetera. But I watched it and I sort of liked it. And then I got the book and I heard the book is amazing. I still haven't read it yet, but the book people and reviewed it saying, I wish I hadn't read it yet so I could read it again for the first time. One of those books. Wow. Oof. Yeah. So watching it again, I had some different feelings about it. And but I will try to hold off and not spoil the ending. I know, I know. You really, I, I do really just want to just jump right into it, but there's a process here. We have to butter people up about this. Uh, personally, me, I had never seen this movie. Uh, although I, I, I do get the feeling that I did maybe catch part of it on Turner Classic Movies because this is absolutely 100% the kind of movie they would show on this, even if it's not 30 Days of Oscar. You just go, yes. yeah, it's... Turner Classic movies basically like we're gonna show we're gonna show Hallmark movies but black and white so it's classier. I think really that's what it comes down to. Um, yeah, I don't think it would be one of the essentials. I don't see it as a Saturday night essential. No, 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 at not all. at all. Not at all. There's uh, I mean, want to go to sleep, but hey, that's neither here nor Um, I my I, as I, as I as I noted last week on the episode. The end of the episode that I did grow up on Green Valley Road in my hometown in Massachusetts. So I guess really that was that's my connection to something called How Green Was My Valley. Uh, it was, for the record, quite green. I was just like it's like vibrant, very verdant, 
uh, it pops. It's it's beautiful. It's it's a beautiful place. Uh, I would I will assume that it was very green in the movie as well, but it's shot in black and white. It's supposed to be shot in Technicolor, but World War II, ugh, ruining everything, right? <laughs> yeah, it's like that was the worst part. That's the worst thing that happened in World War II. Am I right? Huh? And oh. they were gonna they were actually gonna film it in Wales. Yes. And then they were like, eh, I guess we're just rebuilding the town in the back lots of Hollywood. Right. Which is something I feel like you don't get to hear about a lot anymore. It's like, ah, oh, we'll just do it. We'll just make it in CGI. I'm like, no, we're just going to build an entire functioning town. Why? Exactly. Yes. Because we can. And I'm John Ford and I can do whatever I want. Oh, I'm sorry. I have two best pitch. I have two best director Oscars. And this thing has only been happening for 15 years now. I can do it want so anyways but uh that is our personal history of uh, how green was my valley i wish i could say that we knew more about it but we didn't because when you think of 1941 you think of other movies but we of course will get to that we're going to take a very short break and we'll come back we're going to talk about the oscars of that year where how green was my valley won best picture over a couple of notable contenders uh we have some I believe we have some concerns and some thoughts on what should and should not have happened that year. But we're going to save it for after this short little break. I'd be crazy not to begin by thanking these two handsome men, Liam and Clint, for such a lovely introduction. Thank you, both of you. And of course, thank you to the Academy for this recognition. I'm so honored. I wouldn't be here tonight if it wasn't also for a few other gentlemen who I was lucky to work with along the way. Charles Lawton. who signed me to my first movie contract and is totally responsible for my career. The Duke, John Wayne. John Wayne signed me to my first movie contract and is responsible for my career. Yeah. Oh, uh, oh, I have to read. Why read that and call him an old devil? No, read right here. Just read here. Just read right here. Just read it. And it says, and of course, that old devil himself, the great John Ford. Another one. Take this one. Pappy, I fi we finally got an Oscar. I'd also like to say thank you to all my fans who have been so kind to me over the years and truly made this night possible. I'm so proud to receive this award because it comes from my peers who represent every element of the motion picture business business. Believe me, the admiration is mutual. I am honored beyond words. Thank you with all my heart, and I leave you with this old Irish saying, may the road rise to meet you, the wind be always at your back, 
and may the sun shine warmly upon your face. Good night. How Green Was My Valley picked up the Academy Award for Best Picture at the 14th Academy Awards on February 26, 1942. In addition to that, what other Academy Awards did it win that night? Amy, to you. Okay, it won Best Supporting Actor for Donald Crisp. Mm-hmm. That was the, Best the dad, right? He was the dad. He was Mr. Morgan. Yes. Best Director, John Ford, two years in a row, also won for The Grapes of Wrath. Mm-hmm. The previous his, thir- his third Academy Award overall. I think he would go on. Did, did he win four? Did he win three? He's one of the most winning winningest directors of in, of all time. He won again in the 50s for The Quiet Man. Yes. Okay, that makes sense. Bully to you, John Ford. Bully to you. The yes. other one. Okay. All right. What else? Best, what else we got? What else we got? Best cinematography, black and white. Best art direction, interior decoration, black and white. That does sound like uh, all these categories are made up. That sounds like a very made up category. That sounds like an extremely specific. Yes. Mm. Do they have exterior decoration award? Seriously. And I, de- I definitely have some. Uh, the best cinematography, I think more so than anything else, I have a lot of problems with uh, in terms of this one winning over a certain other movie, shall we say. Yes, there's a lot of want. There's a lot of them this time around. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's so a, I mean, it. I mean, a lot of the time we go. Yeah, I can, I can see why you would have gone this way, but there's, I just want to, I just want to just tear into some stuff. It did not win that many Academy Awards. Uh, it was nominated for a bunch more. Uh, it had, it picked up a supporting actress for Sarah Allgood, who, yep. Mrs. Beth Morgan, the mom, who I will admit was great. I liked her. Good mom. She was she was good. She reminded me a lot of the uh, Jane Darwell's character, Ma Jode in the Grapes of Wrath from the year before. Well, you know, when you when you get a winning formula, you just you just you just stick with it. Yeah, the mm. hardy, earthy mom. Mm-hmm. Down to Earth. Best screenplay nomination for Philip Dunn based on the novel by Richard Llewellyn. Uh, mm-hmm. which you say you have but haven't gotten to. Uh, I think all of my books are like that. Yeah, I'll get to it eventually, but <laughs> uh, why not? Uh, there's always something else coming up. Uh, I believe that there's a best score, one of these. There were like a million nominations for best, best scoring of a dramatic picture. Mm, for Alfred Newman. Uh, again, issues with that. It was very just very grating. And also uh, along the lines of, hey, you should feel this now. Feel it, feel it, feel it. Very much overbearing. A lot of the heavy lifting. It was such an overbearing score. I and and so just it didn't. It just sat. It did not sit well with me. Something about the the juxtaposition of the music and what was happening on screen. The images felt way way off. Like Newman didn't see the movie and was like, ah, it's a movie that's set in Wales, right? Yeah, I'll just just do this. It was heavy on the screechy violins. Yeah, and that that can work. It it, it didn't really work right right now. I'm sorry to say. Uh, best sound recording as well. Sure, whatever. I mean, it's all that's a thing that they can do. We could hear it. We yes, it was in sound. 
Yes. Yes, it was. And uh, what else? I think that was about it. Oh, the best film editing, of course, James B. Clark. I mean, I will. It's uh, it's it's about a two-hour movie, so that's cool. Like that, I like it when a movie is is short like that. It's uh, it doesn't happen that often on the show. Marty was I liked great. That this movie was short. <laughs> yes, a lot of the times, the best thing you can say about a movie is that it's over quickly, and yes. that is what editing can do for you. But it had a lot of competition that year. Uh, not just the big ones, but a lot of others. Save the big, the biggest of the big ones for last. What is up? What was it up against? Blossoms in the Dust, which I had never heard of. Yeah, but Here you said it was like the biggest movie of that year or something? It was one of the biggest box office uh, earners that year, which really surprised me because I seriously have never heard of some of these movies. Here Comes Mr. Jordan, Hold Back the Dawn, One Foot in Heaven. Okay. But, okay, okay so th- th- those, like, I always think of the Oscars as the best picture is there are five nominees. It's five yes. nominees, and recently they've expanded to eight or ten. And I think of those other ones as sort of second rands. They're like, though you aren't the real nominees. There are some real nominees this year. Yes. And what are they? Because when you people, audience, you got to listen. When you hear this list, you go, "Oh my God!" There was a lot happening in 1941. Like I might not know a lot about classic cinema, but I know that the following movies are fucking good. So. Continue. And they're all over the AFI lists. And yeah. when I read the list of other movies that came out that year that are also all over AFI lists and the people who directed them, you're going to, like, pass out. Okay. I got so, one. So, have Suspicion, Sergeant York, yes. The Little Foxes, The Big Maltese Falcon, oh, and so good. Citizen Kane. Oh, oh my God. Trail of film. Right. That any one of those could you could say like I could yeah those 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 could win those could win suspicion's great Maltese Falcon is one of the greatest noir films of all time it's those should have been the five that were nominated yeah and and you don't you don't need these other ones all all these other films are just there for. They just want to increase their box office. They say, yeah, I was nominated for an Academy Award, and that's and that's about it. And that's fine and all, but really, it's it's Maltese Falcon, it's Suspicion, it's Sergeant York, it's Little Foxes, it's Citizen Kane. I don't that's know what. That's it. There's your nominees. You don't need it. You know what? You know, wait, what film wasn't there? Oh, it was How Green Was My Valley. I don't know how that got on there, but it all. <laughs> I mean, it comes down to the fact. Here is Citizen Kane. Here is the film that changed filmmaking. And not only did it not win Best Picture, it got shut out of a lot of other things. It did not pick up cinematography, despite what the and despite all of the new innovations Techniques that, that, uh, that, that Philip, I think Philip Toland, is that his name? Mm-hmm. Uh, used to, in the creation of this movie, it's uh, Greg Toland, Greg Toland, sorry. Uh, it's breathtaking uh you it gets taught in film class for a reason people it's like this is how you use wide angle lens this is how you set up a shot this is how you do you just you change you use the visual aspect of storytelling to tell a better story it and uh and you know this film editing is great it's got everything going for it and yet they were like no we're just gonna give it to how green was my valley which 
feels so tame by comparison. And um, I think what it really comes down to is that you have how green was my valley was the very uh, it's your standard best picture winner. It's the movie that, like this is the movie that Hollywood makes all the time, and it's fine. It's safe. It's maudlin. And here you have Citizen Kane, which is this movie is the future. This is what film yes. is going to be like. It takes European sensibilities and puts it onto this amazing story of publishing and, and power and pride and love and tragedy and, and, and everything. And I think they just were not ready for it. The Oscars is notoriously stuck in the past. They have a very specific mindset of what a Oscar winning film is. And yep. Citizen Kane at this time was not it because it was so different. It was so new and modern. They were like, I don't, I don't, I don't like, I don't even know if Citizen Kane would win now either just with all the stuff it does. It's a breathtaking movie. Obviously yeah. we're going to talk about it at some point. We're definitely going to have a, another four year reconsideration episode on that. We can do, we could just, we could spend a, a whole month just talking about one specific aspect of that film. Uh, make, it a, make it a mini film school, and I think you, we would all come out the better for it because uh, it's a film that it's, as you say, it's one of those great upsets. You're like, wait, Citizen, wait, Citizen Kane didn't win Best Picture, but don't they call it the best movie of all time? Ever. Like, Number yeah. one on the AFI list. Yeah. And, if that means anything to anybody. But there was also all the controversy behind it, and that might have possibly pay, played into it a oh, little bit. Oh, tell. Yeah, uh, the controversy. Do you have uh, more yeah. info on that? Yeah, all of the um, controversy behind who it was supposed to be, oh. and yeah, you think you, so? Uh, not so happy about it. First, put out a hit job for it. No, definitely. I'm sure. I'm sure his incredible power definitely helped guide it to its lesser status, and uh, I'm sure he. You know, I'm sure John John Ford also knows how to play the game too, and I'm sure he. Yes, he did. He campaigned yeah, hard we for. We'll talk his, about that later. I have a bunch of questions for you about that. Okay. Okay. Well. All right. So that was that was a little a little fun. To, do you have anything else to add about Citizen Kane? I feel like I sort of monopolized that, and I know you wanted to talk about it. Oh no 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 no! It's it's fine. Okay. Okay. I don't want to ruin any possible future episodes on Citizen Kane. Fair enough. What else came out? In 1941. Uh, Preston Sturges had two films out that year. Sullivan's Travels, considered, again, one of the greatest movies of all time. The Lady Eve, mm. which is one of my personal favorites with the great Barbara Stanwyck and Henry Fonda. Yep. Uh, the Frank Capra movie, Meet John Doe. Another Alfred Hitchcock movie, Spellbound. Oh, I love Spellbound. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Man, he just he just made movies. He just was doing it all the time. Just he did. Out. Two movies, two classic movies that year: Dumbo and Ball of Fire by Howard Hawks. Nice. Yeah. Any it, of those could have been nominated for Best Picture. And yet they weren't. Well, Dumbo is isn't Dumbo like really short. I feel like there's actually you do actually have to be a certain length of things. But anyway, Dumbo no. is unbelievably depressing and incredibly racist. Welcome to the <laughs> Disney in the 1940s. Hey now. <laughs> and then there's the creepy he the 
elephant gets drunk and there's the elephants on parade. So it's the most disturbing Disney movie as far as I'm concerned. Well, you know, I can't, well, I mean, more disturbing than Song of the South. I've seen Song of the South. Um, Dumbo's a little little worse? I would say Dumbo was more disturbing Um. on when you're a child, you get psychologically disturbed by the images and the child being taken away from his mother Uh, factor. Song of the South is really cringy. (laughs) It's, it's horrible in a totally different way. (laughs) We will not be talking about that movie uh, at any point uh, on this show. So go elsewhere for that. I'm sure there's a podcast somewhere around there. Uh, this was also a notable year because uh, Joan Fontaine and uh, Joan Fontaine and Olivia de Havilland they are sisters. Sisters. Yes, and so they were there was a there was a fight for best actress ultimately going to Miss Joan Fontaine for Suspicion, the only yes. uh, Hitchcock directed actor to ever receive an Academy Award. As she beat her sister from uh, Olivia de Havilland uh, in the movie film Hold Back the Dawn. Yes, that's a you know and. I think I always feel like they're always in all the all the research I I find there's it, like it really always has come down to what was the best actress drama that year because the 40s and 50s was full of it. Betty Davis. Yes, I mean, wait, wait listen here. Yeah, right, the, the actress Joan Fontaine won. Betty Davis nominated. Olivia De Havilland, Greer Garson. Don't entirely know who that is. And Barbara Stanwyck. Like. Four of those names, I feel like, are very recognizable in terms of the great Hollywood divas of the Golden Age. That is 1941 in a nutshell. And now we can take a short break, and when we return, we can finally, finally talk about how green was my valley. We will answer that very question when we return. I am packing my belongings in the shawl my mother used to wear when she went to the market. And I am going from my valley. And this time, I shall never return. I am leaving behind me my 50 years of memory. Memory. Strange that the mind will forget so much of what only this moment is past. And yet hold clear and bright the memory of what happened years ago. Of men and women long since dead. Yet who shall say what is real and what is not? Can I believe my friends all gone when their voices are still a glory in my ears? No, and I will stand to say no and no again, for they remain a living truth within my mind. There is no fence nor hedge round time that is gone. You can go back and have what you like of it, if you can remember. So I can close my eyes on my valley as it is today, and it is gone. And I see it as it was when I was a boy. Green it was and possessed of the plenty of the earth. In all Wales there was none so beautiful. Amy, in, shall we say, 30 seconds, what is the plot to How Green Is My Valley? It is the coming-of-age story of Hugh Morgan, who grows up in a Welsh mining town. In the 19th century. Yes, that was short and to the point. Now, he is part of a big family. I have a question for you. Without looking, what are the names of his brothers? I only remember some of them. Davy, Ianto, Gwillem, 
and he had his sister, Ang Harrod. Yeah, and, that's yeah, about all I yeah. remember. And but there were, I think there were five, six or seven brothers or something. And it, it, this was this was a movie that, like a lot of World War II movies and the Hobbit films, I just could not tell the the people apart because all of the brothers they're tall and boringly handsome. They all have very Welsh names, and they all have no personality whatsoever. Not they, at all. Uh, I, I just, I, I, I was very grateful every time that they had to address each other. They said their names because I'm like, oh, okay, it's that one. I know. Okay, I, I think I remember what happened. Why? I, we normally say this for the end. Why do you think this movie won Best Picture? I have been losing sleep over trying to answer <laughs> this question. Okay. I want to hear your answer. I'm, now, I'm very curious. Do I think it should have won? Spoiler alert. No. Yeah. I, I I, should, yeah people have definitely figured that out. Do I think it should have been nominated? Spoiler alert. No. Ew. I'm thinking about, okay, I think Citizen Kane had the bad press working against it. I think the fact that John Ford didn't win in 1940. He was nominated and won for The Grapes of Wrath. The Grapes of Wrath did not win Best Picture. So maybe they felt like, well, let's give Best Picture to a John Ford movie. Why not? Possibly that might have been it. Also, 1941, 1942, we're starting to get into World War II. And the other movies that are big hits, Maltese Falcon, The Little Foxes, Citizen Kane, are not about nice people. No, no, they're about they're complicated about individuals. Uh, Regina Gideons from The Little Foxes was ranked on AFI's list of villains. She was like on that list of villains. It's about, she's this horrible person who like blackmails her family and indirectly murders her husband. So it's not about nice, soft, mushy feelings. Right. And it's the beginning of the, the United States getting into World War II, so maybe that had something to do with it. Yeah, Best Picture does reflect the time, the, the year that we are there in the times we live in. And yeah, I would say that people wanted a nice and safe and very, you know, like it's super preachy, but it's like uncomplicated. This film, like they go in and there's like, I don't need to think about this Hitler guy or all this crazy stuff that's happening. I can just go and be like, oh, this is the way life should be. I mean, yeah, it's Wales, but it's also, it's, you know, it's like coal miners. It's, you know, like America. They all have, I mean, I don't think anyone speaks with a Welsh accent because uh, that is no. a notoriously difficult accent to do. <laughs> it's, it's, oh, don't try it, man. It is, it is tough. And yeah, it's a movie that's made to, it's made to feel made made for the middle made for everyone to you know who is you know working working hard in the mines they got a manufacturing job they are just like you know like yeah this is this is me this is our struggle this is this is my town uh and i i think that that you know, they wanted to award that to sort of be like everybody every things are fine yes there are these complicated movies out here but we're going to give the we're going to give the award to this one because you should feel you should feel good, and you should go to the movies, and you should feel good. You shouldn't have to think. You should just be happy. It should it should affirm everything. And even when it's sad, 
it's still happy. He talks. It's a coming of age story. And usually coming of age stories is you start off and somebody's young and idyllic and then bad things happen to them and they start to see the world differently. Mm-hmm. And they're changed by the end. What my gigantic issue with this movie is, is that it's a coming of age story, but Hugh is still a little boy at the end. Yes. That at the beginning, and I wrote this down, he says, my father taught me lessons that even today aren't wrong or worthless. Even as an adult, my father is the greatest man who ever lived and every single thing he taught me was right. Right. He never, there's no, there's no crisis of faith. He's Hugh, which is played, played by Rodney McDowell, who you might recognize as uh, one of the apes from the original planet of the apes. Uh, He is less of a character who affects things than he is just an observer like for there's a 20 minute stretch where he's literally in bed just hanging out while all these other things happen and he's like yeah he's like writing towels he's a good actor but there's nothing he there's a there, there comes a moment where he this he is the first one to like go to the fancy the fancy school Mm -hmm. like an actual school and they're like oh like oh so he's gonna gonna like forgo the the coal mining lifestyle he's getting out yeah he's, he's getting out like yes good for good for you kid you need to you need to do something you need to like you can take your father's lessons and you can apply it to another thing but 15 minutes later he's like nah that school thing is that sucks i'm just i'm gonna be i'm gonna be a coal miner like well, fuck you kid i don't care like really that's this is this is your whole journey i or I thought maybe he was going to become a priest at the end. Nope. I think he is still just a coal miner in the same small mining town in Wales that, uh, you know, you know, just, you know, and now his voice is just that of Irving Fischel. And uh, that's who, that's who's giving the monologue. He doesn't, nothing seems to affect him because he's already, all the changes already happened because his dad, you know, uh, Willem is, I mean, he's a, he's a great dad, but he's he's a wonderful father. Yeah, he's wonderful. But he has all these opportunities and catalysts for change. He just doesn't. Right, and that and it's that not and like being in bed and suffering that horrific accident had no effect on his life at no, all. None. Yeah, and that and that I think is why they wanted this movie to win is because like there's all this stuff happening. There's all this change, but if you remember your lessons, you remember your Bible, you too can just, like, you'll be great. You'll be fine. You'll be hardworking. You'll be successful. And every, every, everything will be fine as long as, you just, as long as you don't change because change is bad. Look, what, look at all this change that's happening. All this change is happening around him. The mine is, you know, it, it shuts down. They get, you know, their don't accidents. Don't join a union. Yeah, that the, the, the unions. Message. Yeah, unions, they're socialists. They're like, Oh man, right. We're in the forties. This is the, we're still, we're still fighting for, for our labor rights here, man. Um, it's, it's a, it's a movie that just, it's so stuck and it's, it's so stuck in its time that you, you, I just like 76 years later, I just like, Oh my God, you are such a, you, there's no timelessness here. You're just infuriating. Oh, and, really and there are times I like, I, I can I was watching this and I, I was like, okay, it's going to be a sort of slice of life 
like uh, all, all these events are going to happen and you know things are going to change and i was like all right so i was like all right it's good it's going to be uh it's going to be a movie about uh workers rights and it is for 10 minutes it's going to be a movie about this love story like all right between a, a, a priest and the and Maureen O'Hara, because like I would renounce any religious vow to have like a conversation with Maureen O'Hara in the forties, because my God, what a what an amazing uh, amazing I'll woman. Get ba- I'll get back to I'll get back to her in a minute. Yeah, but I have it, a lot to say about Ang Harrod and Mr. Griffith. Yes, I I can't wait to hear it. But and then you have like oh, and that that lasts for a couple minutes, and then it's like oh, but oh, she gets married to the the mine owner's son, like, oh, that's a, that's an intriguing thing. Like, oh, now the family is going to be like part of the the mining owner. And like, how's that going to affect? Like, oh no, that doesn't, that doesn't change at all. Like, oh, he, the kid goes to school. No, that doesn't really affect any, change anything. He learns how to box. Like, oh, is he going to become like a, is this turning like a Rocky movie or a million dollar baby? That would be fucking sweet. Nope. Nope. No. He doesn't. He's like, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to fight. Like, what is this movie about? It's about it, it introduces so many little things and it does nothing with them and it's infuriating and it's and that's what makes it so surface level and maudlin. And so what? It's upsetting because like I said, there's so many cattles for change. And like you said, I was thinking about the movie. The only way I can describe it is choppy. Yes. At the beginning, it's like this is a flashback movie and he's leaving the valley. So you think, okay, something happened that had to be pretty traumatic for him to leave this valley where he was so happy and his father was the greatest man that ever lived Mm -hmm. and very heavy on the voiceover. And the beginning shows like a little day in their life. And it's like, Oh, isn't this a quaint, cute little family? Then it starts to get darker and you, but then it, like you said, it switches to a love story. And what makes me laugh about it being nominated for best editing is Maybe it was too short because it didn't explore <laughs> anything. Right. Anything. Right. Now, see, now I'm curious. I, I, I want you. Not, not. As, I'm not assigning homework or anything. That's your job. <laughs> I want, I want, I want you to read the book because there has got to be more to this. I like. There, there is. I. And he ages a lot, and that was a big complaint when I read the reviews on like Internet Movie Database where people said he's supposed to age up until he's a young man. Yeah. But they only had Roddy McDowell, who was like 10. But it really, the book gets more into his uh, brother's relationship with his uh, wife, Bronwyn. Oh, yeah. That's about four seconds in the movie. Yeah, and then who, like, has a, then there's a baby, and like, oh. And oh, he okay. moves in with her. That's supposed to be a big deal. Yeah, that seems like a big deal. He's a young man, and he moves in to take care of her. It's not what seems like a 10-year-old boy saying, oh, I'm going to take care of you. And she's thinking, oh, that's so cute. Sure, yeah. come and live with me and take care of me. That, yeah, that was so that was so weird. I'm like... It's then, creepy, yeah. but in the, other, in the book, he's a young man at that point, and he does sort of have these feelings of longing for her, which would have been really interesting had they explored that. But John Ford said, "Eh, we don't really need it so much. We just, we just need to, we need to pay, need to make people feel good about it." And, you know, write him down, and like, oh, it's cute. Like he has a boyhood crush, like, ha ha, on his dead brother's widow, <laughs> like <laughs> on his dead brother's wife. Right. But we don't know that much about. We see her. She comes to the house and brings a basket of food, and then they get married, and that's really the last you see her until the brother dies. Right. And it's 
it's a frustrating it's yeah it's a frustrating thing because you want it's always they're like i'm missing i'm missing 30 seconds of every scene like there's something else that needs to happen here like this this movie would like uh, editing is not necessarily it's not what's it's not taking things out it's what you leave in because you know mm-hmm. you know a long movie you know a long movie is you know a, a great movie is never long enough and a short movie is you know uh, and, a, and a bad movie is never short enough so like you can have a three hour movie you can have a movie like Lord of the Rings it's three hours and it goes by like that and you're like oh and that's what that's editing right there because it tells a story it gets to the it gets to the heart of matter explores the characters mm-hmm. and the themes it is and this is this is only this is like the cliff notes of uh, really how green was my valley. And, uh, and had they explored anything, if they had just focused on Ang Harrod, played by the stunningly, ridiculously beautiful Maureen O'Hara, mm-hmm. and Walter Pigeon. And I have a question for you. Okay. What did you think of Mr. Griffith character? I, he, I, Walter Pigeon, he sells it. He's got like, he's a he's commanding presence. There will he, I dislike it when movies, when the priest characters, they just go right into a like a, a sermon when there's no audience there. Really, he's like talking to a kid. He's like, "All right, now I'm gonna, like I'm gonna tell you about Jesus." I'm like, "Oh my god, you're just gonna tell me about Jesus all the time." And no, and I don't mean any offense, but it feels very forced in this movie when he when he's doing it. like I get that's his thing. That like literally is he's a he's a priest, but it is so. <laughs> It's so like it's we're like you're not t- you're not talking to Hugh right now. You're talking to the audience. You're t- you're telling them everything's gonna be okay. Just l- just follow the Bible and everything will turn out. There's w- the scene at the end when um Grit and Mr. Griffith tears the town new one. I was like, that's that's what I want. This I want more of that in this. I want the mm-hmm. fire. I want the conflict. I want I want the, the people getting into arguments with each other and somebody at losing church. at church. At yeah. Church. That was brilliant. He, he tears him a new one. I'm like, I am on your side, buddy. I don't care about your love story, whatever. But you right now, you, that was the, that was the highlight of the movie for me. It was it done. It done really well. And just everybody's so had a mic drop. He could have had a mic drop. Yeah, he could have. Well, suck your judgmental hypocrites. Screw you. Drop yeah. the mic and walk out of church. <laughs> oh, it was it was it was great. And then and then it seemed like because of what happens after after that, which is the accident in the mine, where spoiler mm-hmm. alert, Hugh's dad dies, that everything's okay with the people. I got the impression that Mr. Griffith and <laughs> and Hard got together in the I was like, wait a then what was all of what was all those all those fireworks for? It was very anticlimactic. Yeah, nothing. And that you still don't really know what's going to happen. It's not like with Marty and Clara, where you're like, I'm assuming that they're going to get together and they'll start dating and have a relationship. This was like, wait, is he still leaving the town? Right. Is he going to stay now? Yeah. Are, are I they, don't really know. Yeah. And all they do is look at each other, and you're like. I don't get it. What? What's what's going on? Oh, yeah, there's so much. There's so much looking. And I, what do you think of what do you what do you make of the of of the love story between uh, between them? I, re, removing the fact that every man who looks at Maureen O'Hara is in love with her, which they should be. This movie's in black and white, and she really is the perfect woman. And here's here's my thing with Mr. Griffith and Ang Harrod. And okay. Ang Harrod. 
I can't pronounce these Welsh names. It's a problem that I have. I think Walter Pigeon's character, Mr. Griffith, is very much Atticus Finch light. Mm. If Atticus Finch had lived in Wales and been a minister, I think he would have been Mr. Griffith. He was very, I'm all about integrity and I know what's best, and I'm going to make all the calls. Right. And Ang Harrod, I think, had a lot more guts than he did. At the beginning of the movie, when they call, the deacons call that woman up and call her shameful for having a baby out of wedlock, Ang Harrod's the only person who gets up and speaks out against right. everyone in the church. Yeah, not even, not even Griffith does it. Not even Mr. Griffith. She gets up and she's like, you're all the worst people who ever lived. You're not showing God's mercy. You're all awful. And she leaves. Yeah. yeah. And I really applauded her for that. And that should have been Mr. Griffith, but it wasn't. No, it wasn't. I also think she was too good for him because she's stunningly beautiful. And you know she's going to be this amazing wife. The fact that he made her life so much more difficult than it had to be because he was so stubborn when he said, Oh, sure. I'm in love with you and I could marry you, but I would feel bad because you deserve all these wonderful things and I can't give them to you. Mm. I don't think that obviously did not matter to her. So instead she marries someone she doesn't love. She goes to South Africa completely away from everybody that she loves and knows Mm -hmm comes back to the town with this whole town gossiping about her. Again, doesn't live with her family. And she's basically a social pariah. And it's like, really, Mr. Griffith? She's better off. Like, you could have just married her. Yeah, I mean, you're you're not a Catholic. You can can marry. It's fine. Exactly. So he made her life so much more difficult than it had to be. Yeah, but I mean, I th- I I I got the impression, and this could just be my my male perspective going that this this was not a decision for her, that she made the, the 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 getting married part. This was mm-hmm. her dad and her dad's boss being like, oh yeah, like Ann Howard, you should really marry my boss's son because this family needs to eat or something like that. But again, that's not something that's explored here, and like this would be like. Like the plight of a woman in 19th century Wales, in terms of what they have to deal with from the uh, the society at the time, now, that would be a very interesting thing for them to examine more fully. I think it's the thing they examined the best out of anything here, just because they do have the scene with the um with the with the other woman and and Maureen O'Hara just just nails it completely. And they want her to be like the, the star, um, but it still it still it still comes up just a little short of being really satisfying. It's, especially especially because if you want if you're rooting for them, you don't get there's not that catharsis of like oh they're back together and they're you know they're there's an open field and they're running to it doesn't it, it, mm-hmm. they just go oh yeah your dad just died sorry about that um, hey you wanna. You know, you wanna, you wanna get something you after this, you know? <laughs> oh. the, the scene that nailed it for me, the couple about the the feminist issue, is when the 
miner comes, the owner of the mine comes to the house mm-hmm. and the father comes downstairs and he sends her upstairs. He says, don't you have any modesty? And he sends his daughter upstairs so the men can talk about it. That was cringeworthy. Right. I mean, and I, also when I her mean, brothers I, said that they wanted to move out and her reaction was, oh, I'm going to go move out and take care of my brothers. Yeah. It's, uh, that that was her reaction. I'll leave and I'll take care of them. And when they're handing out the money, notice who doesn't get any of the money. Yep. And Harry, all and the boys line up, even Hugh. You wasted on on Taffy. Oh, Taffy's the worst. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's very. It's. I mean, it's appropriate for the time. We get that. But it's still cringeworthy because you want her to be, have more agency, and she does. She does take it. She leaves. Uh, was, was is it Yestin? Some horribly douchey Welsh name. I I feel like yeah. If you're Yestin, you're like, oh, I just cannot take you seriously at all. You're a jerk. Uh, and, and she and she leaves, and you're like, oh, now this is interesting. And but you hear, but you hear about it through the the gossipy women. And you're like, oh, they're just they're just the worst. And this is In enforcing a house. yeah. The certain you're enforcing these all these bad stereotypes on the servants and on the women in small villages. You go, uh, there's it was it was a little a little frustrating for me, and felt like kind of a shorthand. Especially since she and Mr. Griffith were never together. Right. Ever. We barely saw them together. Right. Barely saw them. They had a kiss in a a room with no witnesses. And so... And he told her that wherever she goes, she'll be like a queen. And then he's like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. Right. And And you're like, you said... She was queen like. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I she... mean, she's wearing her. Like, oh, damn, of course she is. Like, are, like, are you have pass a... up? Who would pass up circa 1941 Maureen O'Hara? Walter Pigeon, apparently. God. Apparently. <laughs> yeah, way, I mean, it'd be a much shorter movie if they were just like, yeah, hey, you're you're awesome. You're we're into each other. Let's do this, and have amazingly moral and beautiful babies that are just gonna rule the world. Like, that's what's gonna that that's what would happen. But that scene where she stood up for the woman in the church that was a great scene. Really was the highlight of the entire movie. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. But oh, and, and um, mom, Miss uh, Sarah Allgood has a, has a great moment where she is like, if any of you mother that come after my husband again, I will kill you. I'm like, all right, all right, and like, and women have all the guts in this movie. Right. The and, women. All the guts they do, the and they and, but they just they have all the guts, but they don't have any of the power. And it's fr- and, and like, and you want to see them like, like I would like I th- like Hugh is such a nothing character that I I just wish it, like if you tell me all the story from Ang Harrod's perspective or the mom's perspective or both of them like just like this is like the lives of women as they as you know their family as the town sort of falls and it apart. It would have been an interesting story. It would have been so interesting, and I. If somebody were to re- remake that, I would be I would love to watch it. But it's the movie we have, not the movie we want. And uh, and the rest of the time, it's so it comes so close a few times, certainly not all the time that it falls it falls so short. It ends up feeling maudlin and very shallow. That's very stu- shallow. That stupid music didn't like the score at all. And then, and the and the entire time I was thinking, 
why did this win? Like I know, okay, I get, I get, I, I get now. Now that we've talked about, like this, this movie should not have won. It should not have been in contention. It still either. shouldn't. It still shouldn't have won. But I've, I've racked my brain, and that's all I can come up with is that the other movies that were nominated were very dark and showed very ugly sides of humanity. And this movie was like, hey, dad just died in a in a coal mine, but mm-hmm. he was such a swell fella, and I'll always have such great memories of him. Right. And all of his lessons were totally valid and appropriate for all situations. That's the way it's supposed to be. And Love I your realize father. why I think you hate Hugh so much. I think he reminds you of another character from another movie that you're not a fan of. One Oliver. Mr. Oliver Twist in the movie Oliver. That every other, if they had made a movie about Fagin and the Artful Dodger the movie could have actually been really entertaining. Yep. But no. Yeah, there's this trend where you need to have the like the observer slash outsider character so you can go in and you can like travel around and see what it see we'll see what the deal is with whatever's happening and uh and also i don't know i don't know if it was child actors back then or how they use child actors but i just i just do not like child actors in classic movies i think they're just no they play everyone's like oh you're a kid you you should play precious like that's your that's your thing just be precious be adorable stay out of the way while the, the adults do the heavy lifting. Like, all right, sure, whatever. I, not a fan, but it I... It wasn't until really, I, I think the best director of child actors, honestly, is Steven Spielberg. Yeah. He, he gets credit for all the technical stuff he does, but if you watch E.T. and you look at the performances of those kids and Christian Bale in Empire of the Sun, uh, he gets these amazing, heartfelt, performances and this didn't have it and it bothered me that you kept having these great scenes where the mother goes to the coal mine and you're like great that's powerful and she's standing up for herself and Mm -hmm. standing up for her husband and then it's like oh now little hugh goes to school and he goes to school and there's the cute little vignettes and he gets in his little fights and then it's like oh it's a cute little school movie all of a sudden yeah and then you get into the forbidden love scene and then it goes back to die bando and that other guy teaching him how to fight and so now we're going now it's a silly movie okay oh now his brother got killed in the mine yeah you're like oh that should that that landed with like Bron, the, the actress who plays Bronwyn, she sells it as best she can. But since she hasn't been in the movie at all, at uh, all a, after their marriage, it's it doesn't it doesn't land at all. But you're like, oh, this was a character. This is a character. But there are so many characters you're focusing She's on. She's the blonde chick. There's three women. There's the redhead. There's the mom, and then there's the blonde. There, there's the blonde, and that's yeah. it. That's really how you remember them. Yeah, that's I'm. Yeah, yeah, and they're you know certainly, and the blonde and the redhead are two incredibly attractive women. And the, I'm sure the mom was quite the looker. Oh, uh, but they're but like I also wanted like, Ang Howard and the mom get their moments. They get their moments of of courage and standing up to the the system. Bronwyn doesn't. Bronwyn just kind of gets left behind, and the and then Hugh comes and says, "I'm going to live with you now." Like not a not a question, not a hey. Is it all right? It's no, I'm going to do this. Gosh, and darn then it. it's coming from a 10 year old kid where in the book, which I haven't read, but I've read a lot about the book, mm-hmm. <laughs> but the book gets into all these things. It gets into his relationship with an inherited. He's a young man and he's supposed to be. Did you also notice that the voiceover dropped off at some point in like the middle of the movie? Yep. 
Yeah. The be- opening is very heavily, heavily narrated, oh, and then so it just stops. And then something, and then it comes back at the end for his little. I guess my dad was the best, and by God, by Jove, how green was my valley? And <laughs> now I'm gonna leave, and you're like, where are you going? Yeah. Why are you leaving? For what reason? Are you are you going to school? Are you going? Are you going to college? Are you going to seminary? Does, are you did, fighting did, against the mind system? Because right. Is there a war? There? Did the mind shut down? What What is happening? No, you're just like, oh, you're just leaving. Eh, you leave. got to tell me this, or like, you know, I would lo- I would have loved to have seen you know because two of the brothers go to America. Like, mm-hmm. I, what happened to them? Uh, and a, you worse, you feel no emotion about him leaving. There's no. no oh, that's sad. He's leaving his home. You feel nothing. No, I. Uh, like, oh, this movie's over. And hmm. and this movie's over and thank God. Thank God. I... And that's a terrible way. It's a terrible way to end a movie. John Ford, it allegedly is. one of the greatest directors. Of John all Ford, time. you can do. You have done so much better. I and this. this I, I want to say like, oh, is this this was like a pity Oscar. I'm like, no, it wasn't. You won the year before and a couple years before that, and you won again. Like, what is? What you just you just had a you had them. Had a, all wrapped up. You had everybody in your in your little pocket, and yeah, you know, and, you play the game, and here we are talking about it. But come and on. And the Grapes man. of Wrath lost, but it wasn't like it was this big upset. Rebecca was a really good movie. Rebecca was, you know, uh, it, it, you know, it was a movie. and it got a lot of acclaim. Like, what more do you want, John Ford? Wants, wants, he wants to he wants to beat this this Orson Welles kid, this twenty five yes. year old upstart who punk. Who was yeah he was. He was, he was a handsome man. He was smart, and God, I can't wait to talk about Citizen Kane. It's just going to be... He had the Marlon Brando effect, though, physically. He was one that, when he was young, he was, like, carved out of marble. He was in such great shape. And then he just became grotesque. Yeah, he, uh, he, he, he puffed up. He puffed up so much, he played a planet in the Transformers movie. In one of the Transformers <laughs> movies, yeah. He played uh, Unicron. Oh, <laughs> uh, now that's see that that is a non-Oscar winner movie. I would totally talk about because those movies are well, the animated movies are amazing. They aren't actually amazing; they're hilarious and bad. And but I love to take them. Your word for that. Yes, yes, you will. So uh, I feel I I know I, I like I'm obligated to ask this, but I feel like I already know the answer. Did How Great Was My Valley deserve Best Picture? No, it did not. Hmm. For all the reasons stated, if you forget, just <laughs> replay this from about a half hour in, and we'll. It's terrible. Probably... Do not waste your time. Re- really don't. I, uh, I, I, I want to give respect to filmmakers. Making movies is hard, and you know they built a set and they 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 did all this stuff. And there there are some technical things, you know, the, the mine explosions and, and all that that are like they're kind of cool, but. For the most part, I have got to say this is not a movie that's worth your time. Not at all. I will, having not read the book, I'm going to say read the book instead. Definitely read the book instead. One one thing I liked about the movie is that they had those actual Welsh singers singing all the songs in Welsh throughout the movie. That's it. That was okay. the, that was a highlight of the movie. Oh yeah, wait, that reminds me. You know what? They were gonna go sing for the Queen. Yes. Never. I, what happened with that? Never did. I don't and know. I thought, I thought he was leaving town. I thought As it, he's leaving, he gets that notice. I thought, did he stay now? Or is he just going to England and then coming back? Or is he going to England and then going to America? I, I don't know. I don't know anymore. This whole, this whole movie we kind of... We don't know. 
Because it's not important. And can you name the name of the brother? No. no Do you know why? Because it's remember. not important. We don't have to know the names of any of the brothers. Like, I only remember Yanto because I'm like, oh, that's a cool name. Yanto, I think, was the one who was married to Bronwyn. No, that's Evor? Uh, Evor. Evor. Yanto. Yanto, was he the one who was. I, you know, I, I, we're already spending too much time on this. You have been listening to the Oscar Watch podcast. If you really disagree with us about how green was my valley, I would love to fight you about this. And you can write us an email at oscarwatchpodcast at gmail.com. And be sure to find us on uh, social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, to voice your complaints or opinions about this at Oscar Watch Pod. And find us on iTunes and SoundCloud. Like, subscribe, leave a review. It really helps people find this show. Unless you are, unless of course you are a friend of, of Amy's or a family member, and she just tells you about it, and uh, that that would that would be great too. Hi, lo- great to have you on here, Amy. Thank you still got no social media presence? Not yet. Okay, well you know what, you're still bringing in lots of uh, listeners, so yeah. whatever it is you're doing, keep doing it. We appreciate it. Um, next week. I am feeling like we need to step away from the best, best pictures, the actual best pictures, because we're going to run out of them soon. And I would like to shift away from all of this, and I feel like we should uh, we should let it go, would you say? A little, a little 2013 Best Animated Feature winner, Frozen. Yay! Yay! Fun music! <laughs> Yay, music and fun and... Laughter and something that's in color that everyone can relate to. I think we'll see. We'll see about it. Uh, thank you so much for listening to the Oscar Watch podcast. And until next time, hey, we'll see you on the red carpet. Down Bye. in the valley, valley so low, hang your head on.